The real estate world is changing. Opportunity is everywhere. It has never been so easy to connect, share, and bring people together. We're learning from others and finding the very best in ourselves. Challenging our beliefs, overcoming our fears, transforming ourselves so we can transform our business. This is Investor Creator. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Tuesday Morning Coffee. Brad here with my partner in crime, right-hand man, Tony, the, the tall and lanky Woodall. <laughs> Tony, appreciate you being with us as always. A lot of initials. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of initials for me. I think we're going to have to come up with a middle name for Tony every episode. I think that will no, be a lot, of, a lot of fun. So, O-T-N-L. Yeah, that's it, man. We are just talking about the sweaters, how it's tough for the man to buy to buy sweaters. Thank you. It is. You know, uh, you can get six, eight links. Yeah. Um, but you have to get to the big and tall shops. And then you got to have an ass the size of Georgia. And that don't work for the big fella. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, what you're saying is nobody has quite Nobody's this got my clothes. Yeah, nobody yeah. has this body. So uh, I don't know if you know this, but this is the first day of, of what appears to be spring weather for Nashville. Oh, wow. It's gorgeous outside. Good morning. Yeah, it's going to be about 68 today. So I, I tell you guys, like, I have not been this ready for spring in a long time. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember it. We've had quite a bit of snow, and I, I guess really all over all over the country we've had kind of a tough winter. We have had a strong winter, and I mean, for us to have three big snows in one winter, is yeah. Good. When we say big, I mean five inches or more, and that's yeah. a big snow. For yeah, us. the whole world shuts down. Yeah, here, and we had for sure, for sure. So looking forward to that. Spring selling season is really coming upon us. We had four pendings retail set to close yesterday. I think we got two of them done, and then two are supposed to close to, today. Well, one's supposed to close today. One defaulted, and so we're, we're did they, did they, have they fully declared their default? Well, they haven't declared it. They haven't admitted it. So here's what happened, guys. So we had a, a property under contract going retail. The buyer is what appears to be a, a builder, and so we we bought the house for one sixty, I think one sixty one seventy. This is Gary Drive in Nashville. Which people say is really tough to buy them, you know. Of course, uh, tough to buy in these metros. So we bought it for 160. I think we were selling it at 340. We did a, a, a light rehab. I mean, I think we had to do the kitchens and form, yeah, and some paint. Maybe but we probably had 20, maybe 25. Yeah, so, so it ballpark, you know, it wasn't terrible. And so get to Friday, the buyer agent says, "Hey, we need to extend closing." So our question is, well, why? Like, tell me why. He said, well, titles aren't in yet. Well, guys, like, we have title companies that, like, if I said on a Friday, like, hey, I need to close Monday on this deal, we can pull that off. That's right. And I said, hey, no problem. I'll have my title company pull pull title. We'll close Monday. No problem. He said, well, the buyer's out of town. Oh, the buyer's out of town. Interesting. No problem. We'll send a mobile notary. Like, we close from from stuff that we're not not buying there all the time. And so finally, he said, well, the loan's not ready. And I said, well, if you want to buy more time, then buy more time. But, you know, you, you guys not being ready for, for the financing to go through is like not really my issue. And so we talked to the lender Friday and said, hey, you know, tell me about the file. They said the file's good. The file's strong. We're, we're probably going to need another week, but there's no issue. The appraisal's in. We're good there. No problem. Okay. 
Saturday, the buyer agent calls and says, hey, we're going to exercise our right to terminate based on financial contingency. Like, okay, do you have a denial? Said, no, 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 there's no denial, but we're not ready to fund on Monday. And so therefore we're able to exercise. It's like, nah, fella, like that's not how it works. And so kind of went back and forth a little bit and we just kind of left it as he said, well, we expect you to release service money Tuesday. And we said, well, that's not going to happen. So you can expect litigation. Like we're, we're not going to play this game. And we dealt with this on Branch Avenue in Nashville. Mm-hmm. If you remember that, I had a buyer that, um, and he was a real estate agent for a big, big name company here and, and team, I should say. And the guy started to ghost me. Uh, we were set to close like the next day, hadn't talked to him, been trying to get in touch with him. Hey, you good, you good, wouldn't reach out. And, you know, this is not like no news is good news. Like no news is definitely bad news <laughs> in this kind of scenario. And so I finally, I went to his broker and said, look, I don't know what to do. We're supposed to close tomorrow. This guy won't call me back. Ended up, he finally reached out and said, well, you know, I had a partner and the partner wasn't real sure. And, you know, yada, yada, yada. And so we ended up filing suit on that. I mean, litigation is just a part of business. It doesn't matter matter your business. Like my father had a transportation company and had litigation. Like it's just part of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't like litigation. But what I dislike more is people just thinking they can make up those as they go. Oh, yeah. You know, so all that to say, uh, that one's going back active today. And it'll sell. But, you know, th- this guy thinks that, that he probably knows more than what he really does. And I, I think that that's... Probably most realtors. Mm-hmm. Probably most realtors. So, anyway, that was yesterday. Well, I mean, I mean, it's not like the house is in Monroeville, you know, in the middle of nowhere, right? So, it's a shame. It's but a shame. that's how it goes. So, on a more positive note, we'll go over the deal of the day. This is in Zephyr Hills. Well, a, a quick positive note on that, though. How yeah. many in the last week have we had closed? I mean. I don't know. They rolled out all last week. Yeah, it was like every day just... Yeah, yeah. So good yeah. Stuff. it was good. So deal of the day, we just bought a house in Zephyr Hills, Florida, which is just northeast, I believe, of Tampa. Again, a market where people say it's really, really tough to buy houses. And uh, bought it for 130 uh, Just got the, the pictures in where it's vacated uh, to be about a 20K rehab. So we'll have about 150 in it. About a 250, 260 exit. Okay. So real nice. Uh, so we're excited about that one. So, so what, what were we, about 60% on that one? When we run our numbers, we would be... Well, let's just kind of... It sounds out. better than 70. So 150, about about 250. We're 60%. Yeah. 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 That's a good guess. Yeah. <laughs> nice <laughs> guess, time. Very good. Very good. So we're excited to, to get that one up and going. And so... Well, nice yeah, I've heard it is, and it's really appreciated quickly, you know, like all of Florida is, but this area specifically because of the price range, I think, you know, it's just really, really done well. And this house had been renovated about four years prior. So it had new windows, had new cabinets, nice. all that. The carpets are dirty as hell, but uh, and it, need, it needs paint. And yeah, a lot of times your carpets and paint and just some touch-up stuff, but if it's four years ago, I mean, all... They probably replaced everything with, with silver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's updated in that way. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so we'll be fine on that, you know, just another day. So what I wanted to really talk about today was, like, maintaining context. Because I know for me, I have a really tough time really maintaining context in terms of 
Well, I'll just put it in terms of an example. So in June of 2021 was the first month that we bought a million dollars in equity in one month. Okay. So it was the last day of the month and we were just shy of it. I think we were at like 940K, but we had four or five contracts like out there. And so all day, or at least that afternoon, like I'm like, are we going to hit it? Are we going to hit it? And I'm checking my email constantly, like waiting on a contract to come in, you know? And so I'd gone to Atlanta to look at some property down there. At least that's that's the the cover that I give myself. Because really, I went down there to Bones and Buckhead to eat. It's like one of my favorite restaurants. Yeah. So I went down there to Bones. I was like, well, since I'm I'm down here, you know, I'll I'll take a few minutes and, and go check out this house, which me and Tony have done before, and we never really quite made it to a house, you know, on that house that we sold open door in Marietta. So anyway, on my way back. It was probably about 7.30, maybe 8 o'clock p.m. I get, a, I get an email, and I look, and it's from DocuSign, so I know it's one of the contracts. Now, out of the four or five contracts we had out there, I think two or three of them would have put us over the top. And so I'm looking to see if it's one of those that put us over the top. And it was Greenville, Tennessee. Okay. So I look, and it's one of those deals. So I, I think we paid like 80 or 85K for it, something like that. It's going to be roughly a 300K exit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got a, a pretty deep rehab, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a rough, rough property, tough situation, which we've talked about before. But so here's what happened. Open up the email, and for about 10 seconds, I'm like, wow, we did it. Like, we did it. A million dollars in equity in one month. wonder what we can do next month. Yeah, it wasn't an accidental million. I mean... You set out, we set out to see if we could do Correct. That. And it took us, what, I think April was the first month we attempted. May, we got real close. Mm-hmm. June, I wasn't sure because uh, we had mastermind. You know, we had our in-person intensive. That's right. And so we were gone for a week. The entire team was down in Florida, you know, yeah. preparing and then uh, doing the mastermind. And it's hard to write up uh, contracts from a pool. I mean, you get your paper wet, the ink blurs on it. Tough to do. It's tough to do. Tough to do, but James pulled it off uh, pretty well. It was so funny because I don't know if you remember, you know, James had his own corner outside of the, the conference area and he was all the time triaging and, and sending out contracts. And so he had his own little mini mastermind. It was like grandpa starts to talk and he's old and wise and like the kids just sit down crisscross applesauce and like just to watch it, listen to the wisdom. So some of the apprenticeship, there'd be like five, 10 people outside just listening to James. And James wasn't expecting that. And he was like, Brad, I got a little nervous. You know, everybody watching me. It's kind of funny. But uh, we hit that million that month. And I realized after I, I had about a 10 second period to enjoy that, that I was already trying to go to the next thing. And I think that that's, that's a tough thing emotionally to always not really, and it's not that I'm thankful. I'm extremely thankful. I'm extremely blessed, but not to take the time to really acknowledge that we did something that we didn't think we could do. Mm-hmm. And so the context of that moment was something that showed me that I have an issue with always going to the next thing, as opposed to just like sitting and, and being okay with where we are. And I, I guess that's a good way to put it. Like I had a really, really tough time with the status quo, uh-huh. regardless of if the status quo is exactly where I wanted to be three months ago. Right. You know, and so this came up in a conversation with you uh, a few days ago because of one of your accountability calls. Yeah, last Wednesday night. And uh, <laughs> it was a good call. I mean, we had a lot of folks on there. Uh, sometimes we'll have as few as five. And a lot of times, like last week, we had 20, 25 on there. And 
So what is this call exactly? It's an accountability call. The primary purpose of it is to help investors hold themselves accountable to the script so that the script does the talking, does the leading in our triage calls or in our sales calls, buyer calls. It is the script that does the leading and not us, not our personality, not what we think they need to know next, not responding to their questions. And uh, that's what the script is designed to do. And our biggest place where we probably lose the most good deals is that we do not stick to the script. Yep. And so, so that, that's a primary thing, but there are other things you have to be accountable to in our process as well. I mean, why join a program if you're not going to become accountable to that teaching? So one of the guys on there who's a great guy, a lot of fun and it's just is good at the business, great personality. He would might he might be someone that would struggle every now and then to stick to the script just because he's got such a great right. personality. Yeah, He'd probably start talking about college football right now, <laughs> and as would I. So anyway, Charlie spoke up and he said, "Hey, can I ask a question?" And we were talking about something totally different, you know. And he and I said, "Yeah, go ahead." And he he, he started about a five minute rant on why his leads suck this month. And we, we're just about to, you know, we're two days away from the end of the month and he has not done a single deal this month and how his, the leads suck this month. They're just either, they're scam, a lot of them are scams, spam, not motivated sellers, the whole deal. And so it, it, he was telling the truth and he had a legitimate question he was asking. And so what I try to do on there is to get other people, get investors talking to themselves because it's easier for someone to take to take advice from someone they know is busting their butt like they are than someone who's just doing some teaching. So I said, Chris Teal, what's your response to Charlie? Chris talked to him a minute about what goes on with his. And I said, Keith Gillespie, why don't you talk to him about where you are? Rachel Wilson, why don't you jump in here and tell him what you, because everybody struggles with that. And there was one person that told him, you know, we've had the same kind of thing this month. And so, but I could tell my primary purpose for, for doing what I did was I could tell Charlie was down. Yeah. yeah. This had gotten him down. He's more concerned now. Is this a new norm? Is next month going to be like this? And so um, I asked him, I said, Charlie, can I ask you? I just want to give him some context. And I didn't tell him I'm about to give you some context. I just said, I'm going to ask you, how long have you been doing this? And he said, oh, about six months. Well, not really, because the first month, you know, we kind of eased into it slow and and uh, we had some stuff going on. And so did five months. And I said, five months. He said, well, not really. I mean, really, it's more like four months because we kind of took Christmas off, you know, and did the family things. One thing I like about Charlie, he is a huge family guy, a huge yeah. date guy with his wife. She, I don't blame him. She's a smoking hottie. I mean, it's just great stuff. So anyway. <laughs> We're looking at her, talking about her in front of her. <laughs> so as he said, so really four months, I said, okay, Charlie, I said, have you had any deals? Have you bought equity on the front end, got equity under contract, take, took it through the process and, and harvested or got your yield of whatever your equity is going to be on the back end, whether it's cash, or cash flow or a note or whatever. And he said, oh yeah, I've, I've had two. And I said, well, what was your equity grab on those two? He said, well, one was 50 and the other one was 45. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. So let me see if I've got this right. You've worked 120 days on this. 
and you've created $95,000 in equity? And he goes, well, if you're going to put it like that, I guess, yes. I That's way too much context at one time. <laughs> I mean, I guess that is the case, you know. And I said, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. That's about your complaining. That's You need to fix whatever this issue is right, right. here. Right. And uh, But in context is so important. And, you know, we usually compare ourselves like in a rehab. When I did rehabs for four years, I would compare myself in the beginning when I'd first start the rehab. I'd compare myself to the crappy way this house looked two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So those beginning pictures are exciting to send in. Yeah. yeah. And they're exciting for the people looking at it. Yeah. But the further you go, the closer you get to the finish of that rehab, you start thinking about the sales price. You start thinking about what it's going to compare to out in the market. And now you're not comparing it to where it started. You're comparing it to where it should be compared to all these even new construction out there. Right, right. So it changes your perspective. And you don't you don't have the full context in the beginning. And you don't have the full context in the end. You really have to take the whole context of all of it. And you compare back and you compare forward. So it, it's important. Um, am I ready for that immediately? Do I have the infrastructure I need on the inside, you know, to do three or four of these in a row? Can I, what, I mean, how many weekends is it going to take me to rehab three houses? Right. Yeah, that's right. And uh, will I ever see my family? (laughs) So anyway, yeah, it was a good context call though. So what do you think the end result was for that call for both him and other people there? I mean, I, I think it's important that we have the pressure from both sides. We have, the, the excitement, the pressure of excitement on the front end when we're comparing it to where, where we just come from. Yeah. Like your June compared back to May, the month before. Right. It was it was exhilarating to know I just missed it last month, but this month I got it. Right. Man. Now I have to ask, well, where's my fulfillment in this thing? How am I going to get this going to get this done? How am I going to process all of this? And make sure that when I start looking to the next month and I want to do that again, I'm also learning from where I came from. You know, it's a context is the ability to see lots of different perspectives from different directions. Look at your infrastructure now in our company. Right. I mean, we are all looking at the same item, but we see it from different perspectives, the perspective of what I do. You know, whatever I do, and that's the perspective I see it from. So it is, it's, it's, um, context, a bunch of stuff. I look at you when you were describing that a while ago. It's like the difference between explorers and settlers. One's not better than the other. They both have a, a purpose. Um, someone came along, an explorer came along and found this piece of property. I've read the, their description of it right on the Stones River up there. And they established something. They drove a stake in the But they moved on because they're an explorer. Right. They were looking for their next stop. What are we going to do in July? Right, right. Some people came along and found this neat little spot that this guy had drove a stake in. And they built something there. And they decided to stay. And that's why there's now seed. Both are equally important. But when you look at them both in context, they have a great purpose. And there'll always be a conflict between those two. That's right. Yeah. And that's a good conflict. This one's going to pull us to the next place. And these are going to build what this one found. Yeah, they they really need each other. And it it is symbiotic. One thing that you said that I I think uh, 
bears really mentioning again is that it sounds like Charlie had some frustration mm-hmm. over the lead flow. And because the context wasn't there, then that creates kind of a negative feedback loop. So the, the basics of the negative feedback loop is that if you have mediocre belief system, so you're, you're having doubt, then you put mediocre energy into the business mm-hmm. that creates mediocre results, which only reinforces the negative feedback. Yeah, new, new negative expectations. Correct. Yeah. And so that's really, really tough for people to break through. But what you said was just perfect. It's like, you know, my guess is that when he started, if he knew that he was on track to create roughly 250, 270K in equity a year of actually implementing, very happy with that. Yeah. But when you get into the weeds, it's really tough to to see the forest. Yeah. See what I'm saying? I had that on a call yesterday with a guy who's calling in to see if we were kind of dating for about 30 minutes to see if he's a good fit for us and we're a good fit for him as a, as an apprentice. Yeah. And, and I asked him in the beginning, you know, what, what would you like for your next year, your first year to be the next 12 months? What would you, what kind of number, what would be your goal? And he gave me a goal of a hundred thousand dollars. And I said, okay, if you did two deals this next year, would you be okay with that? Would you be happy? And that's such a good question because people feel like the deal flow makes like, matters. Yeah. And, and he said, I don't think so. And I said, well, I mean, your average profit, even in your first year is going to be probably no less than 50,000. Yeah. It could be closer to 60 to 65,000. And that's just two deals. So what if you get up both of those in January, you're going to go on vacation the next 11 months? No. So a context is everything when we're looking at stuff, all Charlie had to do. And he, and he does it in lots of different ways. All he had to do was to back away for a second to where he could see a broader picture. What happened at the first that month, he was okay the first week. He got in the second week. He started having a little internal pressure on himself. Why hadn't I closed him? Right. Because the expectation is that he should have. The expectation he should have because that was, that's been his immediate history right. that he did. But then after it kept going, his view of the of the month started closing in to where all we could see was each lead that was coming in. Right. And so it is a, it is a tough thing. And that's dangerous because you're going to bring that expectation to that next phone call. Yeah. So then let's say he gets into the next month and he's a hundred leads that come in and all of them are terrible except for one, but he makes a hundred thousand dollars in equity in that one. Has well, he had a successful month or has he not? Is he in the business of talking to people on the phone or capturing equity? Right. If right. it only takes one to do it that month, is that okay? Yeah. And so it, it context is a lot to do with it. Yeah, 100%. So one of the things that I noticed, I was at the, this was the last day of February. And it's 8 o'clock. I mean, no, it was, early. It was earlier than that, maybe 7.30, 7.15, in the morning. And it's vacant. And I remember how it was just 45 days ago when you couldn't get on, you know, the, the most common exercises because, you know, there's effectively a line. People have lost their context of, well, it didn't happen yet. I haven't got healthy yet. I didn't lose weight yet. As opposed to understanding, like, this was your annual goal. It wasn't your January goal or February goal, more likely than not. I've never seen people make uh, a New Year's resolution for January. You know, they make it for the year. Uh, See? Yeah. But they've lost the context of 
well, I didn't lose five pounds the first week. And so they start putting these expectations on themselves of when things should happen. And don't, don't get me wrong. Like we have to plan, but we're going to put the inputs that we know create the outputs across a long enough period of time. And so this is what I talk about, especially with marketing is we want to have a five month runway. Okay. We have some things that we have to learn. We have to be better at some things. We have to be able to identify deals, but we can have a, a fantastic jet plane with everything that it needs to have. But if we don't have a long enough runway, we're going to cry. Like we've got to get off the air or get off the, the ground. And you got to put gas in. Yeah. And you got to put gas in, you know? And so that's the same thing. But um, I just thought that that was such a, I guess, sad thing because I mean, health is a big thing. Mm. I know it's something that, like ever since I've known you, you've had hope as your personal trainer and you work mm. out and you go walking, mm. different things. And, and that's so important. So many people, they lose the context of what that goal looks like or what the effort looks like. Mm-hmm. Maybe that too. And so, you know, here I am in, in like this barren gym, you know, but for me, it's not about motivation anymore. It's about just having a schedule, you know, it's like, the, the motivation gets you started. It's good habits that keep you going. Mm-hmm. You know, so creating the habit, which I've done across years. So for me, I don't go to the gym or don't go exercise, right. you know, so it's just different. But I thought that was really a, a, a tougher thing. You know, I also think about last year in April, we talked about, hey, what do you think? You think we could, well, it was in February, March. Do you think we could, let's get a meeting. Let's yeah. go for a meeting. Yeah, it, it was about this time last year that we started thinking about it. Because it took us until the 26th of February to create a million from the first of, of last year. Right. And so I said, I bet it was less than 60 days. Mm-hmm. I bet we can do this in a month. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before that time, you didn't talk a lot to when we were the buyers about how much we captured that month. It's, it's really it was really about de- details and deals. Yeah. Are we are we sticking to our script? Are we buying? Subject to enough, right? Whether we're going to retail it out or whatever, are we saving money by buying subject to? So right. We're not having to borrow money, hard money lender. Are we? Are we? Um, are we getting some now, some later? I mean, it was work. It was working interior sides of deals. But then when you said that about a million a month, it was like we had a conversation about it. I will never forget me and you and Casey and Abby had a conversation. Mm-hmm. Can we do this? And the answer was, well, yeah. I mean, you knew we could do it. I felt like we could do it, but did we have the infrastructure for it? Yeah, that, that's the question. Yeah. But here's what happened though. You know, explorers have a dangerous job. They usually travel alone or with someone else because very few people want to traipse through, um, you know, wilderness with everything that's out there. Bears, you know, rattlesnakes, whatever. Not even sure where the next river is, working on hand-drawn maps that people have handed to them. And so it's dangerous to get out there by yourself, but it's the only way there's going to be new ground game. 100%. So even though we knew we weren't ready, we did it anyway. Yeah. Now, if we'd have done it once, it'd have been one thing. Right. But it happened again the next month. And I believe it happened the next month because... The first month that it took place, the confidence in everybody rose. Yeah. All, all on the exploring right, rose through the roof, and we did it again. Actually, had to purposely slow infrastructure. Yeah, you know. But what happened was people gained certainty. Yeah, certainty, and then it forced us. Yeah, 
to go to infrastructure. And then once you went to infrastructure, everybody was brand new at what they were doing. Yeah. And uh, so it took some time for that to ramp up. And now, I mean, I feel like we're getting to a spot to where that can become our, and confidence wise, it is our new norm. Yeah. We I, do realize we can go back to it whenever we want. Yeah. I mean, it's really like turning on a water faucet. It's like, if you want more equity that month, you know, just, just do the effort to turn it on, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it really is that, that, that certain for me. And at the end of June, it was as well. And I knew we could do it based on how we trended in May. The question at that point was when. And so June, we hit it. July, I said, oh, no, we're, we're not stopping now. We're going to replicate. Right. In July, we did it again more and then more in August. And then at that point, we had like 50-something deals that we were sitting on that we own, something like that. And so I had to pull it back, you know, because we had to – then it was fulfillment. Yeah. So, like, you, you start off, you have a marketing problem, right? Right. So you have to understand, you know, the, the first problem in your business is marketing, you know. Buying deals, getting leads, that that kind of thing, and that's the problem that most people that are lo- looking to join with us they understand that they have. Mm-hmm. What they don't understand is once you fix that problem, you're creating the next problem, yeah. which is fulfillment. Yeah, you know. So uh, understanding how to create infrastructure, how to build a team, how to create culture, all of those things are super important mm-hmm. if you want to build a lasting business. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, if you're a solopreneur, you have an expiration date in this business. Mm-hmm. If you're doing any kind of deal flow at all. Because it's really tough to to go and do two, three, four deals a month for 48 months. I'm, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody do four deals a month for for four years right. without building some kind of team. They, so maybe sometimes their spouse comes in, right. you know, they, something. You know, yeah, somebody starts doing their buying for them. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen that, that new TV show, 1883? No. Okay, I think it's a spinoff of Yellowstone. And so I think you would really enjoy it. It's a Western sort of thing. Uh-huh. And Tim McGraw and Faith Hill oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. are actors in it. Uh-huh. And um, basically the context is it's year 1883 and they're going from Texas. And and I've always like been kind of fascinated with that kind of a journey, especially like if you go to the Smoky Mountains, which is about four hours away from us, and understanding that people had to cross that. Yeah. With their family and these horses and buggies and all that has always just really blown my mind. But I was thinking last night, I, I'm not a big TV person. Like, I, I've ever since The Sopranos and Boardwalk Empire, I mean, that's the last two shows that I really got into. Yeah, I mean, it's no way but down. <laughs> that's true. Uh, and I tried Game of Thrones. I liked it okay. But it's like, dude, I'm, I'm spending like hours uh-huh. watching this. Like, I just quit. Uh-huh. But I, I do like this 1883 show. Except for the commercials. There, there are commercials in it, which is a little bit on the yeah. uh, obnoxious side. After My little girl six years old. She said, Daddy, what's that? The, t- the show stopped. She didn't know what a commercial was. It was probably only 15 minutes of show in a 30-minute show. And the rest of it. Yeah, right. right. But what I thought was just amazing is these people are going from Texas to Oregon, and they're certain about the way. They're uh-huh. certain about the way. And it's life or death. I mean, business is not life or death. Right. You know? But they're certain about what they're doing. And that kind of certainty brings so much power. Mm. So much power. You know. So I was yeah. just thinking about that last night. Based and based on your analogy of, of settlers versus explorers. Yeah. I mean, Brad, context uh will keep you in it. Context sometimes will help you get out of a business that's not it's not gonna work. Yeah. It's not set up for success. Yeah. But in our case, 
I mean, I wish I could say we were the first people that invested like we're investing. But in 1883, it was already happening. Large tracts of land already had been purchased with seller financing. Right, right. Some now, some later. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And then it was resold with owner financing. I've told this story before, but my I, I walked down to the road when I was about 10 years old with my papa one day, and he was meeting a fence post down there that divided his property from the next guy's property. He met the next guy down there, and then Lawrence, I've, I bought, I can't ever remember if it was two or four new cows, and uh, he said, um, I need some more grass mm. to feed them. And uh, he said, well... Okay, what what do you want? He said, "Well, I need. I'd like to buy um, a half an acre property from you. And uh, what would you take for it?" And and my papa, who had raised eleven children, which my mother was the oldest. Wow! Now had started grandchildren. Yeah. Of which my cousin Terry and I are the oldest of fifteen grandchildren. I'm, I'm excuse me, fifty two grandchildren. Not 15, 52 grand. 52. God, you just think about the birthday present you have. Yeah. So he still had his bottom four children that were still younger, while the older ones were already having kids. Wow. Yeah. So, but I walked down there with him, and he knew he still had a lot of mouths to feed. Yeah. And he said, well, I'll take a quarter of a cow for the next 10 years. Interesting. They wrote it on a napkin, yeah. and he went down to the courthouse and recorded Recorded the napkin? Yeah. Well, that, that's pretty strong. So people have been have been buying like we buy in creative ways and selling like we sell in creative ways for a long time. I will never forget the day that Larry Sims told us. He said, boys, y'all got to learn to live in the spread. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, I do. I do. Learn to live in the spread. He was my first business landlord when we got first got in office. Uh-huh. That wasn't Starbucks. <laughs> Our first three offices, we never even went to. Yeah. Because we both were, were out there. We were out there. Yeah. And I remember one office we got on the square. We only went there on Wednesday nights because we did our first mastermind. Our first, uh, it's about 10, 12 weeks. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Of invest, what would become investors. And um, other than that, we hardly ever went. We even worked in the office for us, but you and I never went in there. Yeah. But you didn't know what to do. And and you got a call one day. You called me one day and said, hey, they called me from the office over there. And our lease is up. We hadn't been in it in months. So you mind running over and picking up those tables and chairs? <laughs> and we went and got the tables and chairs. Yeah. It's weird now having an office. But yeah. We need it. Yeah, for sure. So one thing that I think really messes up context is watching other people's race. So if I'm in the business mm-hmm. and I've been in for three months and then, you know, you have somebody like Will Cannon or Charlie in North Carolina, who literally, these are, these are the only two guys that I've ever had this happen, where they set up the marketing channel that we do, and their very first lead, they bought it. Yeah. And so you're looking at, well, gosh, why couldn't that have been me? And so like th- there can be like almost a, a jealous aspect of that when you don't have the context of understanding that sometimes there's a bell curve. You know, sometimes things work a lot better than normal, and sometimes things don't work as well. But it hits average. So it's regression to the mean. You're always going to hit average once you know what that average is. And so I think that that watching other people's race is the biggest thing that I see that other people have trouble with. And I get it because part of it, if you look at it the right way, is is a very good thing. 
So like for me, Jared Wilson, who's in Texas, mm-hmm. he was also a mentee of David Alexander uh, and Jerry Ricky, who's in, in uh, well, now Florida. Oh, he's got a place down there on some lake. Uh, oh. He's got some land. So no wonder you won't answer my call. <laughs> <laughs> Have you called him? <laughs> yeah, I called him last week. He's probably sunbathing. Yeah, probably. probably. Um, so I thought, well, maybe I'm too young for this business. Right. And Jared was my age. Well, he was doing deals and I wasn't. So it was age. Yeah. You know, it was, he was more skilled than I was. And so I looked at, at them doing deals as a positive because it showed me, well, it is possible. Like maybe I'm not there yet, but it is possible. I've just got to work hard. For, so for me, it was inspiring. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people looking at that and, and doing that kind of comparison can be pretty debilitating. Yeah. To kill. Yeah. And, um, and the thing is, it's so funny, like nobody knows where someone else started from. Right. And most of the stuff that you see on the internet is garbage. It's like, I see all these ads of real estate people that I've personally had dinner with and they have the Lambo behind them and that they have the scantily clad girls. And I've had dinner with these people. And they ask me questions on how we do things and they can't believe what we're doing. So when I was in LA and I got put in the hospital because of my appendix, mm-hmm. uh, I had a dinner that night and there were a couple guys there. And once they found out who I was affiliated with, with David, then they, it was all Q and A at that point. Yeah. You know, cause they didn't understand, but and, and it's a big reason why I'm like not the CNBC guy. Like I, I drive a Volvo, not a Lambo. And I don't see, I don't, Put value in that anyway. Yeah, you know what I mean. But the, the context there, I think, is let's say slightly skewed. Yeah, I, I don't. It, I'm like you. I don't care what somebody else has. I don't care what they drive. None of that makes any sense. You know that that kind of comparison stuff. I do think that everything is driven on a system. If it's going to be lasting, yes, hundred percent. Everything has some kind of an infrastructure in it. I mean, if we have no bones, we're just a blob. And so you could you could blindfold yourself and not look at anyone else. But if you get a successful system and you work it, once they take your blindfold off down the road and you've been working their good system, you're going to find yourself in a similar spot that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, how you spend what you have is important. Yes. Like you have told me from the beginning, you're going to make money. But how you spend it is going to be important. You need to put your money. You're, you're making your marketing. You're making your investment money. You're only an investor if you're investing. Mm. Nothing's coming out the other end if something's not going in this end. Right. So I have learned through this process, there's smart spending. There's nothing wrong with spending your money. Right. But you can spend it on this, which is temporary, or you can in, you can spend it back into your business. Uh, there's smart saving, and there's some saving that's not so smart. If you can, if your money over here in this box, and you can you can get one and a half percent interest on it while it sits in that box, or you can put it right back in that same system you're right. in, and it's astronomical the return. Yeah. So there. You know, I try to do smart spending and smart investing, smart saving. Right. It's a, just a different kind of saving. I, I feel like I'm hanging on to it when I put it over here because I know where it's sitting. And, and that's 100% right. So I look at our mortgage notes as retirement. 
Yes. So, you know, I'm 35, soon to be 36. And I've got a good 30 years before I can touch retirement money anyway. So if it's in an IRA or something like that. And so the notes that we'll build up across 30 years, when we've been doing it for 10 already, that, that's substantial, mm-hmm. you know, but 100%, man, I, I would never, I look at how quickly we can create equity in notes, like Charlie doing 95K yes. in four months, Yes, you know, and it would be tough for someone to earn a wage and make that income to then take that income after tax and put it into a Roth mm-hmm. to create that same value. Right. You know, so. A quick example would be, I got this, wound up with this house in small town in West Tennessee. Oh yeah, this is beautiful. <laughs> and, and so uh, I have a, I bought, bought it subject to. Okay. Uh, it has a $45,000 mortgage on it. The name on the mortgage, she, she's passed away. It was a, um, inheritance. Right. But still had a mortgage on it. Bought it from the kids. They wanted, or six of them, they wanted $500 a piece. So I had $3,000 walk away. And so my 3000 or thirty. They wanted 5000 Uh They wanted 500 a piece. I'm sorry. They wanted $500 a piece. Okay. So I had $3,000 walk away. Okay, 3000 Yeah. So, so 44 and 3. So you bought it for yeah. 47. Yeah. So um, my plan was to uh, sell it, uh, retail it out. So I was going to do about a $15,000 rehab on it. So... Then I'm at uh, 65, 60, 60, 65, and sell it for um, 110. Mm-hmm. So not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, so my realtor, who I called about three weeks ago and said, hey, listen, um, I'm ready to, let's get all the paperwork going, send me over your agreement, that kind of stuff, informs me at that point that she just booked uh, two, three weeks in Florida with her girlfriends and they were going down. And when she goes on vacation, she doesn't work. She'll be back on a certain day. And I said, okay. So give me a little market must be good. <laughs> give me a little bit of time to finish it up anyway, you know, so yeah. I finish it up in the meantime, I'm up about three in the morning last week and someone on in, in an online group, an owner financing group, says, I'm looking for property in West Tennessee. So I sent a message out of the blue. I mean, I don't know why, but I sent a message that said, um, well, you have the context of knowing this stuff happens. Yeah. Th- yeah. I did. the house down the street from you. That's right. So I'm just curious, you know, yeah. what, what, what is the deal? So they told me they had once lived in Clarksville. They moved back up to, uh, parents in Michigan, but they were coming back down now. Uh, job secured, all that kind of stuff, transfer. They got it back down here and it's going to be in West Tennessee. So I said, okay, I'm going to sell it on the market. And uh, they said, well, basically how much would it take for you to own or finance it? And I said, you don't want to pay that much for it. And they said, well, how much? And I said, 145. And they said, we'll take it. Can you send us an agreement? So 98K gross profit. Yes. At, at, at 8.9% interest. So what's your cash flow? Uh, $750 a month. 750 a month and 98000 in profit on a deal that you had 3K. Yeah. That's pretty good. It's not bad. You know, it's not bad. <laughs> I did a light rehab on it. Okay. So I probably got another 7500 instead of 15000 Okay. Yeah. 
So it's steel. That's over nine grand. Yeah. So I can't, I mean, just the interest alone on it, I mean, you, and you'll capture most of that in the first 10 years. Right. Just the interest. It'll spin off a hundred grand interest just the first 10 years. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's wrong, man. And, you know, but I, I think the, the important thing is, you know, stuff like this happens. It like does. you've had these things happen. So I've never even heard of this town that this house is in. And I've been in Tennessee for four years. Now. Yeah. So I guess what I want to say to you is do not, do not come to conclusions about leads or towns, or houses or markets. I, I would have gotten 175 for that little house anywhere else, maybe 200 in a town like Murfreesboro, but there's just not a lot of people live over there. Right. And so there's no comps. There's nothing to compare it to. I could have probably gotten somebody to give me 134 at retail, but it would never have appraised for it. Yeah. There's no comps anywhere. So this is a better, a much better deal. And you only need, if you take your time and in a year, you do five of these a year. I'm just talking low numbers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, five times that you're 450,000 you've captured in a year that's spinning off interest cash flow. And gosh, if you can't retire on that, I'm not sure what you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, for most people, effective use of creating notes, 15 deals retires because they're somewhere around 10K a month in interest. And, you know, at that point, you know, most people can survive off of 10K. And it's so, it's, it's so sad to me, man, because there's so many people that they work 40 years at a company to not get there. Mm-hmm. Like I have an uncle that was a trucker when the, the financial collapse of 09 happened. My understanding, and I could be a little bit off on this, but my understanding is that uh, when the company that he worked for got bought out by a bigger trucking company, that they cut the pension because there, there was a pension obligation that the, the company buying said company could not pay. And um, basically it was, hey, this company's going to get bankrupt and you have no pension. Or if we get bought out and you have some pension. But I mean, I, it certainly wasn't 10K a month. Uh-huh. And, and he worked hard, man, for yep. years to get there. My dad worked in a plant for 40 years. He and six young men started working. There. He, and, he was one of six that started working there the same day. They'd gone to high school together, grown up together. And they went at the local plant and worked 40 years, got six months from retirement, and they shut the plant down. Mm. So he lost the plant side of the retirement. Right. He just got what he put Social Security and what he'd say, but he didn't think he needed say right because he had yeah. and uh, one of those one of those six men they were all great friends drove straight home walked out in his, his workshop in the backyard took his own life mm-hmm. i mean you just that kind of depending on a system right to last when there's so much change that happens it's difficult to do so i mean i would encourage you to get your hands on your own future. yeah yeah and look for a good way we are definitely not saying the way no, definitely that, not. that you can provide for your future. Go grow some marijuana. That Yeah, whatever. I mean, that's right. I, I, I remember I every now and then still have a, I'll still say out loud was to my son, son, you can't actually do that. You go with dad in half the country. You actually can. And, and it'll be in the rest of the country before you're dead. And so that is, so whatever it takes yeah. that you can keep your hands on, you can turn the knobs. That's right. what you want to be doing. And that's what this provides. Yeah, 100%. And that, that's great context for someone to to understand as they go through this. It's like there's risk everywhere. I'd much rather bet on myself than that company existing. 
and them doing the right thing yeah. with their accounting and their funding and everything, I'd rather bet on myself. That's right. So anyway, anything right. else for you? I'm good. This was a good one, man. I appreciate you hanging out with me. Oh, thank you. Always I a pleasure. Always enjoy. I, I love 61. And the thing I'm most excited about for the, the next uh, four years of my life, I'll only be 102 at that time, is, and, and it's something Kara has taught me, is to stay curious. Yeah. Stay curious continually and never stop being a learner. Yeah. That's it, man. Yeah. That's it. All right, guys, appreciate you being with us. If you're listening to this on podcast, be sure and catch us in the Investor Creator community on Facebook. We're going to be doing more trainings and support there as well. So you'll be able to uh, catch in, jump in on that. Uh, if you need anything, reach out to us, support at bradsmuggman.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Tuesday morning coffee.